good morning. Today should have been the Jersey Triathlon. It marks another date in the calendar of an occasion of significance for some that is now a reminder of what is no more. Like other events, it has this year become a virtual challenge. Few of us would ever consider undertaking a triathlon, even less what is considered the ultimate feat of endurance, namely an Ironman triathlon, which combines a 2.4 mile swim and is then followed by a 112 mile bike ride and is then finished off by running a marathon. And then you're meant to complete the whole challenge in less than 17 hours. Why am I telling you this? Here's why. We may not have thought about it in this way before, but I believe we should be thinking of living with all these crises as we are, as if we're competing in an Ironman triathlon. And we're at the stage where we've just got out of the water and we've just taken off our wetsuit and we're about to jump on our bikes and do a 112 mile cycle ride. We still have a long way to go. In the words of Winston Churchill in 1942, now is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. But perhaps it is the end of the beginning. As we've been swimming in the sea, being buffeted by the waves these past four months, many of us have been trying to discern the voice of God for such times as these. We've received prophecies. We've also been studying the Old Testament books, which, as we've seen, have been written in similar times of turbulence, as the people lived with the threat of exile, or the aftershock of exile, or what it looked like to come out of exile. These prophets, too, searched for the voice of God in their crisis. One of those prophets was the 8th century prophet Micah, who, in his searching, asked God this question, God, what do you require? Or put differently, what are you asking from us, God? Or differently again, what do you want us to bring? The response he received from God are very familiar words to many of us. To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. I want to spend the rest of the time in this message explaining what that verse means. And then from that verse, exploring where I'm discerning God may be leading us as a church for the way ahead as we start to get on our bikes and pedal. Firstly, the verse to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. It would be an easy mistake to make to see this verse as three separate or different actions when they're not. It would also equally be an easy mistake to make to see this verse as something that we need to do or something that we need to bring when rather it summarises who we are to be as people. Micah 6 verse 8 is, if you like, it's an Old Testament equivalent summary of Jesus's words in the New Testament when he's asked to summarise what is the greatest commandment and he says, love God and love your neighbour. In other words, Micah 6, 8, verse 8 summarises how God wants us to live, to be like him in all aspects of our lives, where we decide to fit the whole of our lives into his divine plan for the world. Looking at it in reverse order to walk humbly with God is a lifestyle choice. It's a picture of closeness, a picture of intimacy and attentiveness, 
aware of what he desires and what God loves. Imagine it in, in this way as if you're walking slightly behind Jesus on a beach and where the sand that rises from Jesus' feet touches your feet before it touches the ground again, like it would have in those days when an old when an Old Testament or New Testament rabbi was teaching his followers. This lifestyle actually encompasses the other two parts of God's plan, which are actually linked together. It's a plan that involves an action to do or to practice justice. And it's a plan that also involves an attitude or a motive behind the action to love kindness. Last week I said that in the Old Testament, the Hebrew words for justice and the Hebrew words for kindness, or the better word we would translate is steadfast love, are the two words used most often for God and his attitude for the world. To do justice refers to the absolute fairness of God's dealing with the world. God will always act justly and treat people equitably. God will always make the right decision at the right time. Why? Because of God's kindness in terms of his unfailing love and care for the people. By walking humbly with God, it means we become so much like God in our actions and our attitudes that justice and steadfast love just naturally flow out of us. It's just the natural thing that we cannot fail to do and be. And we become like him in all aspects of our lives. So as we prepare to jump on our bikes for this next phase of the, the crises that we're going through, and as we prepare to go back to worshipping physically in a church building as well as online in our homes, what might be God's word for us, for the direction we should be taking? What might it look like to quote Jeremiah, to live out the ancient paths of Micah 6.8 in such times as these? Navigating such a path is notoriously difficult in straightforward situations, never mind when we're facing so many crises in our lives. And whatever anyone says, no one really knows. Not even the spiritual futurists, as fascinating as they are to, to listen to. It seems the only constant we live with is change. As I read recently, everything has changed. Everything is changing. Everything will change. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't or we don't try to discern God's voice in this time of huge uncertainty. As God said to the prophet Jeremiah, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good ways lie and walk in it. For there you will find rest for your souls. The only thing I know for certain in these times is that God does not change. And God's desire is not for us just to survive these crises. It's for us to thrive through them. So in this time of what we know as is called adaptive change, we have to imagine it as if we're going on the journey. And it's only by traveling on that journey we'll discern God's footprints rather than knowing the answer before we start. The journey is crucial to the discovery. And adaptability, flexibility and pivoting will still be the watchwords. As the prophet Isaiah realised, it's only when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. 
walk in it. So what will help us to travel well, to live out Micah 6, 8? Well, as I've been turning to the right and as I've been turning to the left and as I've asked God for the ancient paths for where the good ways lie, I keep hearing three words. Three words of ancient practices to follow for the way ahead to find rest for our souls in these crises we live in. Maybe you've heard these words or similar. The first word is the word lament. Lament is the only emotion that's also the title of a book in the Bible. The prophetic book Lamentations portrays scenes of a desolate Jerusalem in exile. And if we travel through this book with Micah 6 verse 8 in mind, it will bring emotion to our pain. It will move the stress to our souls and it will move us towards God. At the same time, we also need to remember the, the Psalms, because at least a third of the Psalms are likewise laments. They too give us a voice to our pain our fears, our struggles, our brokenness, while at the same time pointing our hearts towards God in trust and thanksgiving and reliance and hope. The Psalms allow us also to express sorrow, disappointment and grief within the security of our loving Heavenly Father's grace. How long, O oh God? If you love me, God, why is this happening? Where have you gone, God? Some of us might find lament uncomfortable. Awkward silence is following by, with words we don't do emotion. But if we don't express our pain and lament gives us the emotional language to do this in a context of trust in God, we suppress it and it leads to anger, bitterness and resentment. Whoever we are, we can't pretend, we can't just airbrush the last four months out of our lives as if they haven't happened. To lament gives us that opportunity to bring our sorrow to God and to navigate the wilderness of our grief, where we've lost holidays and refunds. Most seriously, some of us have lost jobs. Even worse, we've lost, the love, lost, we've lost a loved one and we haven't been able to mourn properly. We've lost weddings, we've lost exams, even a triathlon, we've lost life as we knew it. As we return, walking humbly with God, loving kindness and practising justice involves learning to lament in our services and prayers. As a statement of faith, as we wrestle with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. To walk, therefore, in the ancient way of lament shows us a path towards trust in God. The first word is lament. The second word is repent. At the heart of all the prophet's messages was a call to the people of God to repent, to turn back to God because of their sin at failing to live with him. You know, the biggest mistake we can mistake, we, the biggest mistake we can make in following the message of Jesus's life and teaching is to fail to recognize that his heart is a call to repent. As Jesus said repeatedly to the people, repent and believe the good news. To repent is a call to change our worldview or mindset. It's both a one-off 
and a repeated daily call to be transformed by Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. At the very least, it's an admission that we need Jesus as our saviour in our lives because we mess up even more as we're living through crises. It's also though an acknowledgement as well. We could well misinterpret God's actions and we need to repent. As the writer and spiritual guide Evelyn Underhill once said, if God was small enough to be understood, he would be big enough. He wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. As we return to walk humbly with God, loving kindness and practising justice also involves adopting a practice of both daily, individual and weekly corporate confession and repentance. Such an approach complements actually the message of 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 that we've been praying of humbling ourselves, of praying of seeking God's face and turning from our wicked ways. Why? As one commentator writes, we should see these four expressions as best understood as four facets of one attitude that we as sinners should seek God in humble repentance rather than as four separate steps on a long road to forgiveness. Once again, to walk in the ancient way of repentance takes us on a path towards trust in God because in Jesus' eyes, to believe is to trust and act accordingly. The first word is lament, the second word is repent and the third word is to reorient. Every pilot who learns to fly is taught the one in 60 rule. The one in 60 rule states that if your original heading is off by just one degree, after 60 miles you will be one mile of course, with perhaps potentially disastrous consequences. The rule therefore enables every pilot to regularly check and correct their heading. You know, as the Old Testament prophets were guiding the people of God through turbulent times, they too were similarly checking in with God to see if they were on the right course and calling them to reorient, if not. As we return to walk humbly with God, loving kindness and practising justice in these turbulent times, we have to constantly be able to reorient, to change our focus and direction on him if we sense God's leading. These past four months have been a huge time of crisis and change. Maybe we've been disorientated because our view of God and how life works has been shaken. Maybe we've been disappointed because we were maybe expecting more of God through this time and our, now our focus has drifted as we've gone through the stages of lockdown. Maybe we've been struggling with changing working practices, homeschooling or technology and our spiritual life has taken a hit. Maybe we've been hiding. Maybe we need to apply the one in 60 rule and integrate together our disorientation and our, or our disappointment or our struggles or our hiding and sharpen our focus and direction on God by walking humbly with him. To reorient as with to lament and to repent, also leads us down an ancient path towards trust in God. Because it's by going down the path that we're led into a bigger vision of who is God. Remembering the words of Evelyn Underhill, if God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. Shall we pray together? 
Once again, as we pray, you might want to just open your hands and arms to God for all that the Holy Spirit might want to give you this morning. Almighty and everlasting God, who came from heaven to earth to show us the way, help us to discern your Spirit's voice as we travel the ancient paths to lament and repent and reorient as we walk humbly with you with a motive of kindness and an attitude of justice in jesus name we pray 